Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 27th day of April 2023. It's a Thursday, if and you didn't know. Welcome to it. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, spreading word of mouth, spreading it. You know, we inadvertently spread COVID. Why not deliberately spread, spread some joy like this program, huh? Who doesn't love the rays of sunshine that I bring into your lives every day? Don't answer that question. But I do appreciate the hell out of it. Make sure you subscribe and all that stuff. Don't forget about the Week in and Review, which will be up tomorrow night at midnight, uh, Friday night, every Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever you want to call it. At least a half an hour, sometimes up to an hour. Sometimes up to an hour of extra content in the news the way it's deserved to be spoken about at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Also, you give away autographed books there. So you can get this week, it's a contest. You have to comment with which one you, you want to win should your name be drawn. And the kids usually draw the names. Uh, this week it is Sandra Day O'Connor, which is a soft cover book, versus Mark Levin with rescuing sprite both autographed i got both autographs personally so i vouch for their validity but uh, check it out all you got to do five bucks a month and you you'll eventually probably win something because why not why not all right we've uh, i got a good god i'm gonna get into the president in a second because he's got a crib like he's always got these crib sheets with him he's always got these little note cards with him why because he, he has no ability to retain information he remembers things from a long time ago. He remembers them wrongly and, or makes them up. But he, he, he at least lies consistently about his past. <laughs> it's just kind of how he is. He lies consistently about his past. Uh, but those are lies. And when it comes to things in more recent times, he has no idea. You know, things like, which way do I leave this stage after giving a speech? He had only just walked up on the stage, I don't know, five, ten minutes earlier. Sometimes as many as 15 minutes earlier. Why could, would anybody be expected to retain the information that, from which side of the stage they entered? There's, it's nearly impossible. Everybody, I swear, I swear to God, how do you forget which way you came onto a stage? That when you're done, you kind of look around going, what, huh? They need to get somebody with a cowbell, just kind of shake it a little bit, or some keys, some big keys, that when he's done, they just shake their keys randomly. It'd be a little bit obvious, but it's not like the media is going to tell it. But um, he's always had these little crib sheets of questions, reporters to call on. And now we got proof that it's not only crib sheets with reporters to call on, it is with the question, or at least uh, some semblance of the question. Not exactly word for word, but the topics are all there. And the hits, ju- actually, I'll just start with that. We'll get to the, the Tucker news in a second. Because it is absolutely absurd. I'm embarrassed for these people. There is a Los Angeles Times reporter whose name, I can't remember what the hell her name is. It's It's... Amber or April, something or other. The hell won't this open up? But the president of the United States had a cheat sheet. Courtney. Courtney's, God, they even put it out, spelled it out phonetically on his little card. If When I play you the audio, you'll notice that Joe Biden does not attempt to uh, re- pronounce this woman's last name. It is Subramanian. Subramanian. Now, I'm saying it like that with any semblance of confidence because it's spelled out phonetically. Like it's, su, it's, it's spelled S-U-B-R-A-M-A-N-I-A-N, right? But underneath it in parentheses, actually in brackets, it's spelled out S-O-O-B-R-U-H-M-A-I-N, and that's all in caps, the M-A-I-N, Dash E E 
dash an. So I assume that means Subrahanian, Subramanian, Los Angeles Times. And there's a picture of her. There's a picture of her, too. That's the kicker. That is a clear indication of mental capacity diminishment that you need a photograph there as well so that you can put the complete pat you don't want him surprised if somebody is diminished capacity you do not want them surprised in any way shape or form by any aspect of a transaction so it's not enough it used to just be the names and the outlets now it's the names the outlets the phonetic spelling or the phonetic pronunciation and a photograph a small photograph so that when he looks up he knows who he's looking at who's talking because why because if you just call a name and somebody starts talking and in your head for whatever reason you thought you knew what that person looked like and it isn't what that person looks like the talking there you will be confused and if you are confused and if you are suffering from dementia you may well mention something like who who are you what is this about they don't want him surprised by anything they need to lay out every domino in a row so that they can all fall according to how they are supposed to fall because if one of them if anything changes if somebody makes a loud noise off on the side there's a possibility that he's going to be distracted and forget what's going on that's what's happening here that's why he has the photograph of this woman sitting there now, it says under the question, foreign policy slash semiconductor manufacturing. How are you square? And it, it, it's her question. It's not word for word her question, but it is the gist of her question. And it is the uh, topic of her question. And we can't see what on the cheat sheet is underneath the president's hand because he's holding it. It's it's weird. Back in the day, back when I was a waiter at Olga's Kitchen in Wonderland Mall, we had these little, the like, buck slips kind of thing that you'd write your order on. That's kind of what, they're a little bit narrower than those. You'd probably cut an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper into three of these things, uh, long ways. So, um, in landscape meaning. So that's probably what it is, but it seems like a card stock, cause not a paper stock, because he's able to, to hold it and flick it with his thumb. It's got it's got some not some heft, but it's got some rigidity to it. I'm sure these things are shredded the second he gets off stage. Every time he goes anywhere, they just okay, now frisk the man, get all the papers off of him, shred it, burn them, shred it, burn them, burn them, then shred it and shred it and then burn them. Because they don't want these things falling into other people's hands. But every once in a while, a photographer is in a position to catch it plus i mean joe kind of plays with it so it's up there i suspect going forward since this was caught by still cameras they are either going to put the photographers in a very restricted area if they put biden near any reporters at all for a while they'll put him in a very restricted area where they can only see from straight on it will be about ground level because they don't want any height that you might be able to see over a podium. And I suspect the podiums are going to be redesigned. Just watch this one. The podiums are going to be redesigned to involve higher sides. Higher sides. Not necessarily higher fronts, because that will be weird. Or maybe you do a higher front, but you do a more uh, dramatic, I don't know what you call the the part where you, you put what you're reading there. But they're going to have higher sides. They're going to try and hide it so you can't see what the president is fiddling with in his hands because this is a dead giveaway. Listen to the reporter, read the question or ask her question, and then I will play immediately thereafter the Fox News. It's Brett Baer and uh, Jackie Heinrich, I think, talking about this. This is a serious problem, and if there is any standards whatsoever remaining in journalism, this woman will be fired by the time you hear this. She should be fired by the close of business today. She clearly gave her question to the White House beforehand. 
allowing for the president to prep for it, allowing for the staff to prep the president for it. It is kabuki theater. It is Banana Republic garbage. This is embarrassing and wildly unprofessional, and people should be fired because of it. They probably won't, but they should be. Anyway, so here is the question, and then Fox News talking about it because they they have apparently more of the words that are on the camera or that are on the piece of paper than I have. So here you go. First question from Courtney of the Los Angeles Times. Thank you, Mr. President. Your top economic priority has been to build up U.S. domestic manufacturing in competition with China. But your rules against expanding chip manufacturing in China is hurting South Korean companies that rely heavily on Beijing. Are you damaging a key ally in the competition with China to help your domestic politics ahead of the election? Well, Jackie, today the president took a few questions. And listen, we always know now that this president has a list of who he's going to call on and, uh, and maybe the order. But today it seemed like he had a heads up on what the question would be, questions. That's right. Uh, a photographer in the White House press corps got a picture of the president's placard. Just take a look here. Um, in his hand, the name, outlet, and question from that L.A. Times reporter, which reads, how are you squaring your domestic priorities like reshoring semiconductors manufacturing with alliance-based foreign policy? She was only one of two uh, American reporters who were formally called on today. We should note the question that she actually spoke and asked the president was quite a bit more elaborate, but Biden certainly got a heads up on the topic and the general thrust of her question, Brett. And just quickly, I mean, I covered the White House. Sometimes the White House folks say you may get a question, but in my days, they never said what exactly is your question. That hasn't been policy, has it? It, it has not, and I, I don't believe that that is something that uh, happens here regularly, at least that we are aware, aware of. Um, that being said, the president never calls on Fox. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the levity at the end, I guess, is okay in the Fox report, but they could have done without it, frankly. But just sitting there listening to this crap, Brett Baer is absolutely right. They will say, hey, all right, we're going to get three questions. It's your turn. Now, they don't do that in this White House. Past White Houses did, where, like, all right, president's going to take three questions. Sometimes they'll take more. And the president's always had the prerogative to only take one or none and go, you know what, the hell with these people, I'm walking off. But they say, heads up, uh, your network, whatever, you're going to get one of the questions because, you know, it's your turn. You're up in the rotation. You're whatever. They don't do that anymore the obama white house really started this we're only going to talk to people who like us sort of thing now occasionally barack obama would go beyond that usually on a special occasion like the super bowl when he'd sit down with bill o'reilly so they uh have this list of reporters obama had the list of reporters and they were all, they're rarely Fox. I don't even remember that there were ever Fox News. Now, now they have straight up give us the questions. Straight up give, now, Obama was, was really no different than Biden as far as the White House handling itself with the press. The difference is that Joe Biden would say, I'm told I'm supposed to call on this person. And I imagine his staffers are sitting in the background pulling their hair out going, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Why do you keep saying this stuff? But again, if you're a caregiver for somebody suffering from dementia or just somebody old losing it, you've got to have patience. I imagine that's a mantra at this White House. Anyway, New York Post story. The cheat sheet held by President Biden during a Wednesday press conference revealed that the 80-year-old commander-in-chief had advanced knowledge of a question from a journalist. Quote, how are you squandering your domestic priorities like reshoring semiconductor manufacturing with how are you squaring it with uh with alliance based foreign policy that's the question that was the question that was read on the sheet i couldn't see the whole thing the only pictures i saw were of parts of the question so that was on there. that was the gist of the question that was asked that you heard it was a little bit more involved but that was the basic gist of it 
New York Post again. The revelation came during a joint press conference with South Korean President Yoon Suk Yeol that discussed growing nuclear threats from North Korea as the nation celebrated the 17th anniversary of their alliance. Another cheat sheet showed the names of other Biden administration officials to relay the order remarks would be delivered in at the press conference. He had to have a program for an event. Honest to God, if you're the president of the United States, who cares, all right? If you are going to be out there for the entirety of the remarks, what does it matter the order in which the people are speaking? Unless you're talking about the senility and the lack of surprise factor that you really want regimented lives. Now, the president's life cannot be regimented to help him deal with confusing situations. So they have to find another way to try to deal with those confusing situations, and that is to try to make them not confusing, to give him the gist, to give him, there it is, step by step, this is what's going to happen, so you don't freak out. So messed up. Quote, it's not the first, back to the story, it's not the first time that President's crib notes have been outed by speedy photojournalists, the fuel which fuel Republican speculations about his mental acuity. His physician reported the president was in good health in February, but refused to field questions from reporters about his cognitive strength. Because, of course, why would he? Last June, the president exposed a comically worded cheat sheet with detailed instructions. Now, what's really funny about these cheat sheets, and this continues on this one, every time he is referred to, it's in capital letters. It's you, Y-O-U-R, all in capital letters. Your, when I read you the question that they had typed out, the how are you squaring your domestic priorities? And back in the day, back in June of last year, Joe Biden was caught with another cheat sheet that read, quote, you, now this one is more disturbing, you, Enter the Roosevelt Room and say hello to participants. You take your seat. Like, really, do you, do you need to be told that? And couldn't there be a staffer? I mean, theoretically, every president, actually not theoretically, every president has a staffer that's right there with them in case they need a pen, in case they drop a pen, in case whatever it is. Or, you know, somebody says, hey, Mr. President, you're supposed to talk to me or I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. And the president actually does want to say it's a donor. Cause those are the only people who would ever get that kind of response. You, you turn and say, all right, yeah, no, uh, make a note that we got to call so-and-so here. That's why you have a staffer with them. The staffer with Joe Biden if he is in need of instructions this specific about this level of minute things, like you take your seat, not like you sneak over and uh, take somebody else's seat. Make sure you do it before the music stops or right before the person in front of you sits down, grab their chair and yank it out from under them so they fall down. If you need this kind of stuff, the uh, staffer that would accompany you would have to almost be like FDR's son, who was the one who usually accompanied him in public appearances to help him pretend to be able to walk. He was he obviously lost his ability to walk because of polio, and he wore leg braces that kept his legs locked straight, which allowed him to sort of do a hip, shift my mother kind of did that uh to like around the kitchen she was never particularly good at walking with her artificial leg Uh, i remember her falling once and um, she apparently fell other times i just remember once and she never was comfortable so she always used crutches and with crutches she was a whiz but um and she could walk like just like she had two legs with the crutches but with one leg she'd kind of hip around and sort of hobble back and forth and uh, FDR would do that now they never they'd have the entryway for the president of the United States be very close to wherever the podium was so that he would only have to pretend to walk 10 feet or whatever but he held gripped onto his son's arm 
and used him the way my mother used crutches or he would use the counter around the kitchen. Um, it worked. The people weren't looking for, a, you know, back then it was very limited video and they didn't really show any of him walking around. Everybody in the media, everybody in Congress knew that he was paralyzed or crippled or whatever you want to call it. But they all conspired to keep it quiet. A physical disability, the inability to walk, is only relevant to the job of President of the United States were the job of the President of the United States to require running foot races on occasion. So it, it didn't really matter. Talk about keeping his you know, side women and his affairs and all that to themselves. That's a little bit different. But with Joe Biden, the crutch that he uses... And the people that he would use around, they can't do that. So what you don't get is what you got with other presidents very often. The people, if you notice this, next time it happens, and it'll happen at some event, when the president is at sort of a reception-y type thing where, say, he's giving out presidential medals of freedom or whatever it is, some donors check clears and they decide to give them a, a presidential medal of freedom, there is a moment where the president kind of glad hands with the people in the front rows you know and then he's ushered out watch what happens those people in the front rows you wonder why is hunter biden at the white house for this ceremony hunter biden is necessary at the white house in those circumstances they need as many people as humanly possible who joe will listen to who will also know how to and have been for a very long time protect joe from the general public and from evil reporters. Even, I mean, what's sad is that these aren't evil reporters. The reporters they're protecting him from are sycophants. They love him probably more than Hunter does because I can't imagine Hunter really, really likes his dad considering all the crap his dad put him through. But they need that buffer of people that they can trust. Look, Hunter doesn't love his dad, but if, if his dad goes down... Hunter goes down. If Hunter goes down, his dad goes down. And if Hunter starts to go down, his dad is the only one who can save him. And if you don't think that Joe Biden would go, all right, I'm going to pardon my son, and then I'm going to resign because it's so inappropriate for me to pardon my son without getting into the substance which he's pardoning him for, you haven't been paying attention. Joe Biden will absolutely pardon his son because it would be the only way to pardon himself. If Hunter is absolved of all responsibility and guilt, then there's no more investigation into him. Then there's no more investigation into the big guy and where he hides his 10%, etc., etc. And then he would resign. He would do it under the guise of, I'm such a good father, I could never sit by while my son, blah, blah, blah. But he could. He easily could. He was driving his son absolutely insane. His son was clearly not capable of handling the amount of stress, especially after Beau Biden died, the amount of press, uh, pressure and weight that Joe and the family put on Hunter to make their money, that he started doing every drug in the world. And you don't do those kind of drugs and that many of them and film yourself doing them and everything because you're having a good time and you really enjoy doing the Boy, crack is a blast, isn't it? You know, that no. You're doing it that heavily and probably filming it to leave a bit of evidence behind because you're miserable, because it is a cry for help, or at least you want documentation for when things go the way they usually go on things like that as to why it is and how it is your life came to this end. Then you'd start asking questions. How does, uh, with Joe Biden, there's no asking a question. Shouldn't there be a bunch of questions about why is it that Joe Biden's son is a crack addict? What kind of a father? Multiple, like crack, prostitutes, everything. Everything you can possibly imagine. Shouldn't there be questions about that? Shouldn't there be questions? Because Ashley Biden has her own addictive problems. Apparently she was allegedly addicted to sex. And in her diary which yeah, thou shall not speak its name she wrote about taking showers with her husband with her husband with it's even grosser with her father well past the age when it was appropriate you have to assume that this also involved 
washing here her. It is disgusting. And Donald Trump said inappropriate things about how attractive Ivanka Trump is. Gross things. But, you know, it's just kind of how he is. Nobody thinks he's actually out there being a pervert trying to sleep with his daughter. If they ever heard Ivanka talk about or found a, a note written about Ivanka saying, we showered together and I was 13 years old, that would be it. That, there would be heads exploding over at MSNBC. They would be having strokes on air, strokes of joy. But they don't mention it because it's Joe Biden. They don't mention it because it's Joe Biden. Journalism is dead and it died of autoerotic asphyxiation. But this is the world that we live in. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I, it's just how the Biden administration is. And it's very disturbing that they need this level of preparation, this level of protection for Joe Biden. It's horrifying, actually, because that means no matter how bad you think he is, it's worse. It's way worse. And his staff is stepping up their game to do an even better job of hiding it because it's only going to get even worse from here. Um, Now to the Tucker Carlson news. Not a lot of news to report on, but this confirms yesterday what I'd mentioned. The uh, Spectator headline confirmed ex-Tucker Carlson producer suing Tucker Carlson has never met Tucker Carlson. Abby Grossberg is going around being on television. I don't know who told Abby Grossberg that her hair looks good, but... uh, she should be mad about that, not about mean things that people said to her. And if she changed her hair and her attitude, she might not have people going, I, uh, I can't take you seriously. You look like an 80s movie dropout. You look like Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club after they cleaned her up, which isn't a good look. Uh, the story, lawyers for Abby Grossberg confirmed to The Spectator that the former Fox News producer never actually met Tucker Carlson in person while working on his show. Quote, like many on the Tucker Carlson Tonight staff, Abby never met Tucker Carlson in person because he taped the show from his personal studios in Maine and Florida, and he did not visit Fox News headquarters during her time there. Kimberly A. Catala, one of the attorneys representing Grossberg, said, Now how can you sue for a hostile work environment created by somebody who was never there? Because it's not that she just never met him. It's not like, well, she's a morning person and she was off by five and she'd set everything up for the 8 p.m. broadcast and then went home. No, they never physically worked there. Tucker Carlson does not go to New York, did not go to New York probably for a year or two uh, because of he just didn't want to. The threats against his life, the hassles. He left Washington, D.C. a few years ago when the goon squad showed up at his house and started pounding on the door. Honestly, he should have had armed security there. I know that if they'd have made it inside, it wouldn't have been good. Tucker wasn't home, but his wife could have handled it. But, thank God it didn't come to that. But after that, Tucker Carlson moved to places uh, that shall not be, well, Maine and Florida. There you go. That narrows it down to states. That's widely known. But beyond that, it's nobody's business. And he did not come to New York. He would come to D.C. occasionally, not very often, but occasionally, usually when he was speaking at an event. I believe he did his last, may have done his last show uh, from Washington, D.C. He taped it earlier. Obviously, it was taped because the time it was airing, he was speaking at the Heritage Foundation, so he obviously wasn't live, but I think he recorded it from D.C. Occasionally, you could just tell if you knew the sets where he was. If it was just a single shot just on him, you'd never know. But when they showed a two-shot, it was with somebody else. The statement confirms recent reports from a a former Fox News employee and complicates the story about Carlson Grossberg and the workplace environment on the show he hosted, as well as the lawsuit's alleged connection to Carlson's firing on Monday. Grossberg, who who was the head of booking for the show from July 2022 until she was placed on administrative leave in March of this year, alleges that Carlson encouraged a hostile and sexist work environment among his employees. Grossberg said she was subjected to bullying, anti-Semitic comments, and sexism by staff while working out of Fox's Manhattan office. 
This is a problem for Fox. It's weirdly not a problem for MSN. I promise you it's a problem because remember when the Me Too thing was all going on. Where was Oh, they got Bill O'Reilly. They got Bill O'Reilly before Me Too. They got Matt Lauer. They got a whole bunch of people from a bunch of other networks, including I think the head of NBC just this week got uh, booted for an inappropriate relationship with an underling. Of course, the underling never complained while they were together for a few years, and then they broke up, and suddenly the moral dilemma, gee, I fell used. No, you feel angry, right? Hell hath no fury, right? But all of these perverts were banging their staffers and screwing interns and everything that you can possibly imagine a scumbag doing. They were all over at the other networks. They were all over at the other networks. But there was nobody, or very few people, and they certainly did not. There was one I remember in particular, but nobody got the kind of attention that this woman is getting. This woman isn't claiming a uh, sexual harassment campaign to, oh, he wanted to sleep with me, or anybody wanted to sleep with me, because nobody would believe any of that. Again, go back to the hair. I know, I'm a horrible person. But honestly... That hair, what the hell, man? Do you, have you not heard a conditioner, a comb? Look, I'm nothing to look at. I get it. But I understand what to do when I am going somewhere where I don't want to cause people to recoil in horror. It involves, you know, soap, shampoo, water, conditioner, and a brush. It's done. Or most times just my hand. Your hand will do it. But good Lord, is your house full of circus mirrors or something? Anyway, there's nobody coming forward against the star treatment on MSNBC or CNN. Don Lemon was fired probably in part because of that Vanity Fair story where women were talking about how he had been mean to them and bullying and blah, blah, blah. Well, where are they? They didn't run to Fox. They're still employed at CNN, more than likely, and they just stabbed him in the back through uh, Vanity Fair in secret. Fox would have probably loved to have had those women on. They would never. But Fox, unlike... CNN won't hire a conservative, not a real conservative. MSNBC would not hire a moderate. You have to have like a Rachel Maddow show tramp stamp to even get your resume looked at over at MSNBC because they understand that they are wildly bombastic. They look they got burned big time, bigger than most, when they lost Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer was, you know, the king of morning television and he was just I mean, he was a sexual predator and like Harvey Weinstein giving him a run for his money. So they uh, they know that they have to keep people on the uh, team. You have to be on the look if you're on the team and somebody plays a little grab ass with you but that person who plays grab ass with you is a very valuable member of the team for the cause, for something you care deeply about, you let it slide. You might not feel good about it. You probably would talk to your therapist about it. You probably have a therapist. You'll probably begin to transition because of it. Who the hell knows? But you will more than likely let it slide. Little comments. If they are directed towards Clarence Thomas, is it really inoffensive? Is it really offensive and inappropriate to use the N word if you're talking about Clarence Thomas? I don't think so, right? I mean, that's a, that's the liberal mindset. And even if it were, who's going to say? Who are you going to tell? You go to HR, and they probably have that on a plaque in their wall. Clarence Thomas is an ultimate Uncle Tom house blank. So who are you going to complain to? You could run to Fox. They'd make you famous for about 15 minutes, but they'd also make you unemployable going forward. Is that worth a trade-off? I don't know. I mean, if you want to have a clean conscience, one would think it is, but you work at MSNBC to begin with. That's not really an issue for you. But with Fox, they hire people who are available. Fox is disadvantaged by what MSNBC and CNN are advantaged by. CNN's slightly different because their headquarters are in Atlanta, but most of their shows, their primetime shows and their daytime shows, they're in New York. And the personality, not the so-called straight news shows, but like Jake Tapper and all that, they are out of D.C. and New York. 
D.C. and New York, Manhattan in particular, but Washington, D.C. too, uh, but I say Manhattan in particular, it's part of New York. They're cesspools of liberalism. Cesspools of liberalism. 80, 90, I mean, for God's sakes, they elect morons for mayor because they've got a D after their name. They elect morons for prosecutors because they've, they're Democrat-endorsed, because they've out-crazied everybody else in the primary system. They would elect Vladimir Lenin's slowly rotting corpse if it got enough signatures to get on the ballot. I promise you they would. So the people who live there and commute over from Brooklyn paying through the uh, rear end in rent or wherever, the Bronx, Queens, wherever they manage to uh, squirrel themselves away in a closet trying to break into media, those people are what? They are more than likely going to be 80-90% liberal. Now, if somebody goes and applies at Fox because it's the only job opening that there is, and they find out that they're a liberal and they don't get the job, there's your lawsuit. There's a lawsuit, right? They didn't hire me because of blah, blah, blah. There's supposed to be news. So then they have to look at it. They have to conduct it in a way that is fair or maybe even a little slanted toward the left so they can say, look, we hire the other side. We have, because there are a lot of liberals on Fox who are the news readers, who are the uh, remote news readers, whatever, more and more. If you look at the... Uh, the journalists, quote-unquote, that they have covering stories that are dispatched throughout the country that they go to on occasion, not necessarily in prime time, but you can just listen to the verbiage that they use. It is migrants, it is uh, gender-affirming care, it is all the liberal buzzwords, and nobody's there correcting them anymore. I fear that we're watching the demise of Fox News, which hasn't really been the same since Roger Ailes was fired. Not that he didn't deserve to be fired, but uh, they should have installed somebody with that level of principle and that level of commitment to what Roger had established. Journalism, the stories from the cutting room floor. They didn't. They went another direction. They own the company, so what the hell are you going to do? But that's the difference. Now, I just find it really, really uh, bizarre because this went back to the Grossberg story. It says, uh, quote, Tucker and his executive producer, Justin Wells, who was also fired, really were responsible for breaking me and making my life a living hell. Grossberg said in an MSNBC interview with Nicole Wallace yesterday. See, they run right over to MSNBC and they get on the air. Nobody's running from MSNBC to Fox to get on the air because MSNBC won't hire these people. They won't hire you. They wouldn't hire me. Grossberg's lawyer says she was in contact with Carlson on a daily basis over text and email and that the two also spoke on the phone until she left the network. They suggested that since Carlson was not present in, New York, in the New York office, the sexist environment was perpetrated at his direction by other employees who served as his eyes and ears. I can promise you, I know, Tucker isn't all that interested in other people's lives. And he certainly isn't sitting there going, well, why don't you say nice boobs? Hey, why don't you say that women deserve to be in the kitchen? If you hire for your head of booking uh, a woman, biologically, I don't know what this person identifies as. You can never know with liberals. If you uh, are hiring women in positions of authority on your show... I would suspect you're not, and not sleeping with them, and I know Tucker isn't trying to sleep with them. Tucker is one of those rare people who loves his wife in media. Um, then what, in what way could he be possibly directing a sexist environment? Why would he hire you if he's a sexist? Like, I always love that when somebody says, you're a racist, and the response is, no, I'm not a racist. I have plenty of black friends. Like, that's exactly what a racist would say. Like, that's... That's exactly what a racist would not say. A racist would not say it, nor do it. A racist would not have black friends. Why? Uh, because they're racist. It's right there in their name. <laughs> Good God. I don't know how this is going to shake out. We ultimately won't know. I have some information from uh, a source, not Tucker, that I don't... 
I don't feel comfortable conveying right now. I, I can't verify it. It would just be conjecture. This person is, was, or is. You can decide. I'm not going to give away too much information. They're in a position to sort of know and certainly know people who would know. Definitely in that position. But no, I'm not going to give that away. Plus, it really, the information is interesting, but it still doesn't explain anything. It just shows you the pettiness of media in general. God, it's such a horrible business. The people in it genuinely are wildly horrible people. If you ever have your child go, you know what, I want to go into the journal. Don't, don't let them do it. They're horrible people. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you like you wanna be famous or what go into acting, go into Hollywood. There's scummy, horrible people out there too. At least they're good looking, and the money is much greater. So you'll probably never make it in either. It's a very rare thing that anybody makes it to the point that they're making F U money or anything like that. But um the people in Washington DC are just awful. The people in media are awful. Keep them away. Keep them away. Get everything in writing and make sure it's signed in triplicate and then make sure you lock your copy in a safe or else they will try to screw you out of everything. But anyway, the, uh, yeah. Interesting. Now I want to play you another, because we want to move on. I want to play you a clip. There is a new celebrity. Remember the, uh, what the hell, the Tennessee Three is what they were called? And then they tried to, like, edge out the white lady. Eh, it's the Tennessee, too. we got to make it all about race. So let's just pretend that the white lady isn't a part of it. And we'll bring in the two young black guys with, you know, violent pasts. Liberal act. They ignore the violent past. They ignore the criminal activity. They're heroes. And if you do anything for a cause that the left agrees with, you will be absolved. It doesn't matter. They'll let it slide. They'll let it go. Why? Because they're horrible people. Have I mentioned that they're horrible? I think I, I feel like I just mentioned that they were horrible people. And that's what they do. They are the ultimate ends justify the means group of people. The nonstop insistence that there be strippers and drag queen story hours and everything is bizarre. I would take question i would question anybody who wasn't an author who was desperate to fill a room with children and read to them now maybe they just have a passion for for education but i'd still think that's a little weird that's a little weird that you would want to seek out an audience of children when you are not a children's book author you don't have a book out you're you're just somebody who now when you add in the sexual deviancy of cross-dressing, of drag, and the inherent sexual nature, because there are very few people who are engaged in drag who, you know, wear a smart business suit, a pantsuit, who pull off a Hillary Clinton look. You know, Hillary might actually be in drag if you think about it, but it is always some sort of accentuated breasts. It is the ultimate stereotype. It's really weird. I was talking to a friend of mine today about uh, Bud Light and how they really screwed themselves up and how the repercussions are still being uh, felt and it won't shake out for a while because beer, people get into the habit of drinking their particular brand of beer. If you get out of the habit of drinking that particular brand of beer, it's tough to get them back. And he was asking me why it was, apparently there's a RuPaul ad about um, with for Jack Daniels and some people, some other drag queens from, I assume, RuPaul's Drag Race show or whatever. And he didn't understand why there wasn't the blowback for RuPaul for Jack Daniels that there was for Budweiser and for Dylan Mulvaney. And it's pretty simple, I think. RuPaul isn't pretending to be a... or isn't insisting that he's a woman. You can see, I don't know what RuPaul's real name is, but RuPaul was on Jimmy Fallon not that long ago as the guy, right? He's a gay man, but he's, he's a guy. He recognizes that he's not a woman. Bald head sitting there, not in, he's in a suit, not in a, a dress or anything like that. RuPaul is a character that he plays, whereas Dylan Mulvaney insists that he's a woman. 
it isn't a character. It is probably a character. But he insists it's not a character, that it is reality. And he insists that you must respect his reality and play along with it. RuPaul does not insist that you refer to, you know, you pretend that he is a woman. That's just not the shtick there with RuPaul. So that is a major difference. Another major difference is RuPaul is just sort of a saucy character, a sassy kind of character. Whereas Dylan Mulvaney is a caricature of a 13-year-old girl played by, a, I don't know, a 30-year-old man or whatever the hell he is. He is offensive. Adult women, he infantilizes women. Adult women do not act like Dylan Mulvaney does. He is the ultimate minstrel show. It's, you know, it's one thing what Robert Downey Jr. did in Tropic Thunder. It's another thing to go full Al Jolson or Amos and Andy or whatever you can think of. I don't know many stereotypical blackface things. That's what he is. He is a horrible caricature. And he is getting money that otherwise would have gone to women, right? If you want to reach out to women for purchasing your, try to get them to buy your tampons, well, you go to a woman. That money would go to a woman. They reach out and they got more money, they'll go to another woman, social media influencer. But that money went to a dude. That money went to a dude who most women look at how he portray himself and they go, oh my God, it's so offensive, and the people who do like Dylan Mulvaney, can I just say it? I used to be, I was a theater major for one year. I know lots of theater people. God, they're just the most annoying people on the face of the earth. But the people who embrace what Dylan Mulvaney does in his woman face getup are the people, are the, the girls with the gay friends. You know, the... The one girl with the gay guys or the one guy with all the one gay guy with all the girls around. That's what they are. That's who they are. They are that woman who go, oh, yeah, that because every other woman on the face of the earth is like, this is so embarrassing. You are you are such a piece of crap. No self-respecting woman would remotely act like you're acting. And there's Dylan Mulvaney skipping around like a like a 12 year old. That's the difference. That's why. And it's part of the reason, if you want to be taken seriously, if you really want to get down to it, why there is so much backlash against everything LGBTQ, the T part. Why there is so much disgust, as there should be. Because what's embraced by the cultural elite, what's embraced by the media elite, is the wildly offensive part. Is the Dylan Mulvaney's of the world. Is... The Zoe Zephyr, or Zoe Zephyr, however, I don't know, it's Z-O-O-E-Y, Zephyr. I don't know if it's Zoe or Zoe, I don't care. It's a dude in drag. But he is a member of the Montana State Legislature. I don't know where he's from. If I had to guess, I would say Missoula. That's where the college, that's a, the college town there. And they seem like they'd be left-wing enough to elect somebody like this. There is a bill in the legislature there that will prevent the sexual mutilation, the genital mutilation of children. Remember when this was non-controversial? It's weird. Just a few years ago when you'd hear about somebody in the Muslim world, they committed genital mutilation against their daughter. It was universally repulsive and condemned. And now... They're engaging in genital mutilation on a much larger scale. And it is cheered by Democrats. And in fact, in some states, Democrats are trying to make taxpayers pay for it. Republicans up in, I think it was uh, Oregon, Democrats are going to ram through a, a thing that you got to pay for transition surgery for children. And Republicans tried to offer an amendment. They did offer an amendment that said, all right, we can't stop this. You also have to pay for detransition treatment, detransition surgery for all the people who were suckered into this somehow because they had other mental orders or social media screwed them up or what have you. And Democrats rejected that. 
Democrats rejected that. You want to talk about blood on hands. Democrats have the literal blood on their hands from the surgery of people who later regret it and when they take their own lives. It's disgusting. They're gross people, these Democrats. But anyway, Zoe Zephyr participated and led a mob in Montana to take over the state house and shout people down and was a complete and total jackass. You know, if you look at the history of the Nazi party, it's not all that different than what the Democrats are doing now. Look it up. See how they conducted themselves as a minority fringe party, even on the outskirts of government. It was disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. Well, when you're a member of a legislative body, you do not get to engage in disruptive behavior because I've got a First Amendment where you do. You can. You're not going to be thrown in jail for it, but your ass can be thrown out of the legislature. That's what happened in Tennessee. And now Zoe Zephyr, they didn't boot him out of the legislature there. They just banned him from getting on the floor. So there will be no more tranny talk from the floor of the legislature there in the House there in Montana. So he wanted to talk. He gave a speech where they were debating whether or not to ban him. Here's what he said. I have had friends who have taken their lives because of these bills. I have fielded calls from families in Montana, including one family whose trans teenager attempted to take her life while watching a hearing on one of the anti-trans bills. And in that hearing, our caucus pleaded with the Republican chair of the Judiciary Committee to not allow certain testimony to keep decorum. And we were told a lot of people have a lot of opinions on these things. So when I rose up and said, there is blood on your hands, I was not being hyperbolic. I was speaking to the real consequences of the votes that we as legislators take in this body. Mike, first of all, don't let children watch legislative hearings in Montana. It's never going to have a good outcome, or anywhere, really, for that matter. But the hyperbolic there. I have friends who tried to commit suicide. There's a suicide ever. Hey, do you ever think that maybe there's some sort of mental health issue going on there? That uh, you hate your body, you hate yourself, you're looking to hate your life. Maybe, I don't know, get some professional help in some level. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the answer, not we need to shut up? And what's really disturbing is this little fascist in drag is sitting there going, we implored you to not allow this test. He's trying to, he's trying to block testimony was trying to block testimony in committee hearings. He was trying to block opinions that he doesn't like, that he deems offensive. And, of course, they did it in the way that despots always do it. It's for their own good. It's for the good of the children. It's good of other people. You're going to harm other people. Your words are going to harm other people. No, the words are reality. At a minimum, they're just other people's opinions. And if your fragile psyche is so ready to crack to the point that hearing something with which you disagree or dislike or makes you upset or whatever, if that pushes you over the edge, I have a news flash for you. And I don't mean this in a callous way that it's going to sound, but you're going to go over the edge anyway. All right? You are going to go over the edge. It's just going to happen. That's why you need to get professional help. Because if that's it, if that, oh my God, it's pushed me to the point of breaking. What did? That somebody said that they don't want to validate my existence. Well, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who don't want to validate your existence. It doesn't really matter what your existence is. There are a lot of people who are just not going to care about you, and they don't have to, nor should they. But it is this bizarre world where we can't have this because you can't say that. You can't talk about this. You can't debate this. You couldn't legislate. You can't protect children from genital mutilation because there is somebody unstable out there who might hurt themselves. Well, I'm sorry. It's, I don't care. They're going to hurt. If you care about that person, get them professional help. Get them mental help because I, I promise you they're going to hurt themselves. 
at some point. Why? Because there is going to be a point where they run into somebody who calls them sir. Because why? Because they're giant Adam's apple or five o'clock shadow or whatever the hell it is. They're a dude in a dress and they don't like it. Whatever. They come out. Whatever the situation is, there is going to be reality. You can insulate yourself from it as best you possibly can, but you will never seal it out completely. So if you care, if you're that fragile, or you know people, or you believe people are that fragile, that they will snap and do harm to themselves and or others, should reality rise up and peek over the horizon like the sun in the morning, get them professional help. The answer is not to shut everybody up and engage that delusion. That's a losing battle. It's a losing battle. It's a battle that should never be fought. But the totalitarians want to shut people down. They want, it's not accept, it's not tolerate, it is obey. And frankly, you can go to hell, all right? If, if the choice is you're going to do horrible things to yourself or everybody else has to bow down to your will, do horrible things to yourself. That's, it goes not just for the trans community, it goes for anybody. Anybody, really, if it's the entirety of the Democratic Party, they demand obedience or else. Anyway, this uh, Zoe Zephyr wasn't done. And when the speaker asks me to apologize what he is, uh, on behalf of decorum, what he is really asking me to do is be silent when my community is facing bills that get us killed. He's asking me to be complicit in this legislature's eradication of our community, and I refuse to do so, and I will always refuse to do so. I refuse to do so, and I always want to stamp up my... You will do harm to my community. Again, see my previous comments. There's something wrong with you if validation externally, not getting it, will push you over the edge to do self-harm. Seek professional help. Seriously. It's, you're not in the wrong body. You're not in the right state of mind. There's something wrong. I don't know if you can be saved or helped or what have you, but I know that you need to be protected from yourself if that's it. And if your other alternative is to become a mass murderer piece of garbage, um, yeah, there's something wrong with you. A school shooter is a delusional, evil person no matter what they claim their motivation is and no matter who they like to have sex with. So yeah, this person got the uh, boot. They're not the boot from the legislature. They'll be on MSNBC all week long, I promise you. And it's funny watching these people insist, she, 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 oh, gender-affirming care, gender-affirming. I woke up to see uh, CNN talking about the gender-affirming care bill that the Republicans are trying to... the gender-affirming care Republicans are trying to prevent and everything. And I'm just like, this is disgusting. This is Something bad is going to happen here. Something worse than already has is all the trans killers. Because somebody's going to be pressured into this surgery. And there's no coming back. This Jazz Jennings person is a mess. Transition started four or five years old, talked about him last week, and then had surgery at 17, never to come, never going to come back, not interested in dilating or keep, just putting on weight like you wouldn't believe because of depression, because of what have you. It's just, and the mom doesn't seem to give a damn. The fame is, was enough for the, it seems like, I played you the audio where the mom's like, if she doesn't dilate, I'll wake her up and I'll shove this right in there if you don't. There's something wrong with these people that they can sit by and watch their children be destroyed because they want to feel important. Just is, just a thought. So Zoe Zephyr, congratulations, now shut the hell up get out of the legislature you can vote uh, by absentee and go chase yourself god what a what a unstable human being if you know that many unstable human beings it's unless you work in a mental institution um you might have a problem too 
Speaking of people who don't give a damn about anybody else, I'm going to play this clip of Randy Weingarten because she says that she, this is getting a lot of play on social media where she says, well, she wants to... She's, nobody worked harder than the teachers' unions to try and reopen the schools starting in February. It's being glossed over, just the point where she's saying nobody worked. we worked hard to open the schools. What's being missed is she's saying it's from February. Schools weren't shut until March, Marches, late March of 2020. So she's talking about February of 2021 at the earliest. So she's saying that teachers... Now, it's, it's untrue what she's saying, and a lot of people are focusing on the fact that she's even lying about this, but I find it interesting that what she is saying is, like, we, nobody fought harder to reopen the schools because we knew that closing the schools was damaging children and it's horrible, horrible, horrible. And she's talking about a year after they were closed. And she's talking about the teachers' unions starting to give a damn about reopening the schools a year after they were closed. Just if you, if you just do the math on the timeline she's talking about, it's insane. Here she is. I'm sorry, Congressman Raskin. I'm just, we spent every day from February on trying to get schools open. We knew that remote education was not a substitute for opening schools, but we also knew that people had to be safe. And maybe it's because I live in New York City. I live near a hospital. Every other minute there was an ambulance. There was terror. Our members were terrified, others were terrified, and what we were simply looking for was clear scientific guidance. And when we couldn't get it, we did it ourselves, and we worked with doctors, and we worked with others, and we just tried to get it out there. Yeah, nobody worked harder than Randy Weingarten a year after closing schools every day to try and open schools. But she had a lot of conditions and caveats and demands and required money and then more money and more money and more money and more money. Why? Because it's the teachers union. It's not the kids union. It's not the children's union. I don't give a damn about the kids. Oh, no, we care so deeply. about. We just wanted everything to be perfect and nobody to ever get sick and new ventilation and, and raises and combat pay and back pay and all sorts of other things. No, you really enjoyed that time off. You enjoyed that, that distance learning. I mean, actually, frankly, the trade-off, and I hate to say it, the trade-off is not really worth it because those kids that were in school were damaged irreparably but if there is a silver lining out there it is that it exposed people like randy weingarten and it exposed randy weingarten hasn't taught a class since 1997 she's been a union goon since 1997 she hasn't been in a classroom she has no children she doesn't give a damn about children she's a union goon and she's a le committed left-winger. She's a lesbian, which isn't really relevant, except for the fact that it influences her policy decisions. If you're a teacher and you're a conservative, you're just not a down-the-line doctrinaire leftist, you have no home. These people on the left, they control every damn thing. And they don't care. They want your money. They'll take your money. They'll use the force of government to take your money and use it to spend on candidates and issue advocacy that go against everything you believe in and they'll shove their thumb in your eye while they do it and then they'll go before congress and go we're tr nobody tried harder than we did really that's a provable lie will randy weingartner uh, randy weingarten be uh brought up on perjury charges no she won't she'll get a prime time speaking slot at the democratic national convention and Quite possibly, depending on what happens in the Senate elections in 2024, the nomination for the Secretary of Education should Joe Biden win re-election. God help us all. Of course, unless Zoe or Zoe Zephyr wants the gig. That'd be a toss-up. I think, I think Randy, probably, Randy checks the woman and gay box and 
spent hundreds of millions of dollars electing Democrats, whereas Zoe threw a fit, checks the trans and gay box. It's just, just not enough. It's just not enough. Ah, uh, the hierarchy of the Democratic Party. What a disgrace to human beings. God, I just don't know how we reconcile this as a species, as a country. I don't think we're... we're we're certainly heading in a bad place. Is a national divorce possible? As long as we get, I'd say, from the Mississippi east with a huge chunk of Texas and some of the northern farmlands, the left doesn't want a whole lot of space anyway. To hell with them, they can have California. But what we really want is the Great Lakes region because that's the water. Not that we wouldn't sell them the water, but, you know, they wouldn't sell us the water or they'd poison it. Anyway, that is all. Just such a cheery view I have of these leftists. But honest to God, every time I think they can't get, like, they can't be worse human beings, they go, oh, sure, we, sure we can. And they do it. Anyway, that's enough for today. I appreciate you listening and all that stuff. Check out the Weekend F and Review. Be back here tomorrow for another show, the Weekend F and Review. If you want to just try the Weekend F and Review, you can email me and I can send it to you. Send you one. First one's free, kid. I think you'll like it. Plus, when you get it's, if you don't like it, you you still get to enter the contests and all that good stuff. There's a lot of stuff up there that is not necessarily um, just swearing. Actually, I think if I remember, I got to take some. I'll put pictures of the kittens up there on Friday. So at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Sign up, support the show. Much appreciated. Be back here tomorrow. Keep telling a friend. See you then.